Every day she turns a new page. What we invest in our kids will be passed on to theirs. Hey, good morning. Hey, we're, uh, we're in the midst of a parenting series, Better Parent uh, by Sunday. And uh, today, we're just going to dive headlong into the topic of discipline. Now, I get that this moment, uh, some of you in, in the crowd are getting a little stiff and you're and chances are, uh, all of us have had different experiences with discipline in our lives. The problem being that many of us have had bad experience uh, with discipline. And, and all we've been able to kind of garner and get through life is just to say, I don't want to do it the way my parents did it, or the way I saw my uh, neighbor kids' parents do it. I, and so you and I have a long list of don'ts when it comes to discipline, and yet no real idea of what good and solid discipline looks like. Some of us have just said, look, I'm not going to discipline at all because I just don't know that there's a good way uh, to do this. And what you and I are going to discover today is that chances are what you and I have seen, the badder, the darker side of this topic, is not discipline at all, that it's actually punishment. And, and that there's a distinct, huge chasm of difference between discipline in my home and punishment in my home. Discipline, you ready? Discipline is what I do for my children so that they will be prepared for when I'm not there. Punishment is what I do to my children to satisfy my frustration. Let me say that again because it changes everything. Discipline is what I do for my children to prepare them to be better at life. Punishment is something I do to my children to appease my personal frustration. I had a friend who was uh, talking about his daughter uh, who he had inadvertently signed up for two soccer seasons the same semester. She was signed up at school and she was signed up uh, on a club team. And he said, Lynn, you know, the remarkable thing was the incredible contrast on how those two seasons, how those two teams performed because many of the girls that were on one team were on the other team too. One of the teams, through the entire course of the year, won only one game. The other team, almost all the same girls, the other team only lost one game, went on to win the championship. And he said, you know, I was sitting there at the championship banquet watching all these little girls who'd been on both teams, the team that had only won one game and now the team that had won every game except one, getting their trophies. And I thought to myself, what, what was the difference? What changed the trajectory of that experience? And he said, you know, it occurred to me as I sat there. It was discipline. See, one of the coaches simply said to the girls, hey, just you know, get out on the field, go out there, kick the ball that way. 
And so he said there was girls running all over the field. No one knew for sure what their assignment was. No one understood what success looked like. It was just chaos on the field. He said the other coach was more involved, and the other coach was constantly helping the girls get better, constantly saying, no, 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 this is your responsibility. This is what you do on the field. This is your area that I need. And he said the difference in the discipline of the two teams was night and day. And the success, you ready? The success was completely different. You get that that's exactly the value of discipline in the home. That when you and I bring this well, when you and I do this the right way, we change the trajectory of our children's lives. The reality is, this is how you and I score points as a parent. How you and I deal with discipline are the stories that our children are going to tell and the legacy that you and I will leave behind in our children's lives. So what does that mean? What does it mean to discipline our children for their preparation for life? Okay? And I really believe what it comes down to is that discipline involves three different roles, three different shirts, so to speak, that you and I end up putting on as parents. So grab your Bible this morning. We're going to try and walk through. We're going to see what, what would this look like if you and I did this well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to get kind of the first job description together. Proverbs chapter 29. And if you're not real familiar, if you'll simply just go to the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to find you the book of Psalms or this book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. Here's what it uh, simply says. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15 says the rod of correction, which is just simply another way of saying discipline. And guys, don't, don't, let, don't let the word rod freak you out, because I think we all of a sudden get this image in, in our minds of some parent sitting there with some big old stick beating a kid up. It's really not the biblical model. Matter of fact, think about it. Think about the, um, uh, in Isaiah where it says, and we've heard this a thousand times, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And when it talks about the rod here, what it's really talking about is the shepherd's rod and then the staff end of it. And as a shepherd would move the sheep, he would take the rod and nudge the sheep, not beat the sheep. Good shepherds don't beat the sheep with the rod, but they nudge the sheep. And they might tap, but the idea is, is to alter course. It's not to inflict wound, okay? And so all he's saying is, look, 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 look. This nudging, this discipline, and did you, you want to hear, did you realize that the word disciple and the word discipline come from the very same root? And all it's saying is this is what we use to nudge our children to keep the boundaries, to help them when they're getting out of bounds, when they're going, we nudge them back in. So first role, you ready? First role for you and I is groundskeeper, groundskeeper. You guys ever seen one of these? See, this, is, this, is the, this is the thing where you, 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 know, you lay out the lines on a field. You kind of mark the thing off. And, and what you do is you, know, you, you roll this and, and you lay chalk lines, and, and what you're doing is you're defining, hey, 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 this is out of bounds. You go over here, progress stops, we'll start a new play. This is... This is 
the line. You cross this line before the ball is snapped, you'll be offside. This is touchdown. See, you get here, this is a score. This puts point. And all you're doing, you're defining the, you're laying the lines. And one of the key roles, guys, if, get this, one of the key roles that you and I do as parents is groundskeeper, that you and I lay out the field, that you and I define for our children. Look, no, 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 that's out of bounds. You do that, we're going to stop the play. You want to score a touchdown? Get it over there. When's the last time you, you walked into a football stadium, sat down in the middle of the game and turned to the person who was with you and said, have you noticed how straight the field is today? Have you noticed how crisp the lines are today? I, I know the game's going on, but I need to go find the groundskeeper and get their autograph. This is, this is cool. See, you don't do that. Matter of fact, the truth is, this, this is the unsung part of every single game. And this is the unsung part of parenting. See, this is, this is the groundskeeping, ground laying work that you and I do ahead of time. And that if you do it well, it doesn't even necessarily get noticed. But do it badly, and you and I end up with a mess. I remember when I was a kid, and we, we would play a lot of pickup football games. You know what that is. You're standing around, you go, hey, I don't know what to do. Let's play some football. And inadvertently, all of a sudden, you had to try to figure out, how do you mark off the field? What, what, what do you, how are we going to make some lines? Because we're just out on the playground. And so pretty soon, you're pulling gum wrappers out of your pocket, and you're putting them down. That, that's the goal line. And, and, and you know, so, someone else has got, like, his tennis shoes, and, you know, you're putting them down. And, okay, Sally over there, Sally's out of bounds where she's sitting. And then you start playing the game. You know what happens, Right? All of a sudden, the wind blows and the gum wrapper's moving a little bit. Sally decides to go get a drink and comes back and sits in a totally different place. And suddenly, the entire game breaks out. Suddenly, you're going, hey, you're out of bounds. No, I wasn't out of bounds. I didn't even come close. But Sally moved. Sally used to be sitting on that blade of grass. And all of a sudden, you spend more time arguing than actually playing football. How many of our homes are spent more time with our kids saying, I didn't know. Uh-uh, that's not what mom said. Than actually being a family. So, got to be clear. And, and you and I have got to be willing to repeat where the lines are. You and I have got to be willing to come back and over and over. No, no, that's out of bounds. You guys think. Isn't it true that Scripture that the Bible is really God's ground-keeping in our lives? See, you need to get this, because even if you're here today and you're not a parent, to understand this moment is huge. Scripture is God's ground-keeping. Isn't Scripture where God says, look, 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 if you go over that line, you're out of bounds. And you do that, you're going to be disappointed. The play is going to stop. But you go over here. See, you get the ball here, that's a touchdown. Your life will, you will be amazed what you get to do, the celebration dance when you do that. Got to be clear. When's the last time you saw a grounds crew changing the lines in the middle of the game? 
Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, one of the groundskeepers is going, ooh, that line's a little crooked. And so in the middle of the game, all of a sudden, they're out there laying out new lines. You ready? It's better to have a crooked line and keep the game going, and then you fix the line for the next game. You never want to be changing the lines in the middle of the game, which means, which means, which means. Mom, Dad, don't change the lines in the middle of the game. Chances are in your home, one of you is strict and one of you is more lenient. It's just, it's the wonder of what God does. I think God just likes to put the two together and see what happens. And chances are, <laughs> there's lots of discussion about what ought to be a line and what shouldn't be a line and where the line ought to be. That's okay, that's okay, that's okay. Just don't change the lines in the middle of the game. Because here's what happens. All of a sudden, one of the parents goes, oh, over the line. Bring it over. Bring. And all of a sudden, mom's going, really? Really? I don't think that was out of bounds. I think it'd be okay. Oh, it was out of bounds. No, you know, I'm thinking we, maybe we could redo it. Maybe we could three. It, right in front of the kids. See, the lines are going fuzzy. You know what little Tommy's doing while you're arguing, right? Little Tommy's sitting over the corner going, excellent. <laughs> Couldn't have gotten better. They've totally forgotten what I did. They're arguing over the lines. Tommy is calling his friends to come watch. He's charging admission. And he tells his friends, it'll be hours before they get back to me, and then they won't have the energy to remember what I did. And all of his friends are going, excellent. <laughs> if one of the parents calls, hey, over the, groundskeeping, if one of the parents calls over the line, enforce it. You see, you agree. And, and the truth is, guys, doesn't groundskeeping happen before the game? So the best way to prepare for this, the best way to do this is to agree on the lines before the game. And, and, and if you're the strict one, can I just say to you, you need to compromise a little bit. I, I know that terrifies you. I know you think, no, 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 no. All these, it's important. No, no, no. Couldn't you give a little bit? And, and if you're the loose one, if you're the, if you're the one that says, no, 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 I just think there ought to be more freedom than that, you realize too big a field, lines too far apart just create chaos. But you, 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 you play football with no out of bounds, it's not even fun anymore. That's just an ugly game of tag. <laughs> get this, get this moment. It is more important that you agree on the line than that the line be in the spot you would have put it. Let me say that again. It's more important that mom and dad agree on the line and enforce the line than it is that you put it in the perfect spot. Because you can play on a crooked field and still have a great time. And guys, if at the end of the day you go, man, I, I just can't live with that line, I can't get it there, then you enforce it while the game's going on and then you find a time to get back in the bedroom and have a discussion and say, you know what, can we talk about moving the line?
I'm really, but you back each other. You don't change the lines in the game. Now, here's, here's what we got to be careful when we talk about this because there are some of us in the room who are saying, oh, this is good. This is what I've been trying to tell my wife. This is what I've been trying to tell my husband. And, and, and I've got this figured out. See, parenting is all about the lines. And, and so what we'll do is we'll just make so many lines that our kids can't do anything wrong. We'll mark a line like every four inches. And, and we'll make the out of bounds like two feet apart so that, so that our kids can't possibly make a mistake. Our kids, I mean, if they even think for themselves, they'll be out of bounds. <laughs> Do you know Scripture says, hey, fathers, be really, really careful that you don't exasperate your children, that you don't mark the field up with so many lines, so many family rules, that your children can't breathe without being disobedient. There is a reason a football field is half as wide as it is long. There's got to be room to play the game. You say, well, then, well, you know, what, where, where are the lines? I mean, what are the important lines? Important lines. The truth is, the most, the most dominant, the lines that are without negotiation, your lines in your family ought to reflect Scripture. That's where you start. And then you and I get the opportunity to add, add some more lines. But get this, get this. When you and I add our own lines, that is no longer biblical principle. It's preference. It's preference. See, we all grew up with the, with the preferences of our parents. How long our hair was. Do you get a tattoo? Do you not get a tattoo? That's preference. You get that, right? That's preference. And it's okay. You have the, you're a parent. You have the right to draw that line. But you just have to remember it's a preference. Some of you are struggling right now. Your kids are coming home. They all want to look like Brian Wurzel. <laughs> if it's me, I make a line. But that's a preference. You get that, right? It's a preference. And you and I have got to be careful that in the midst of laying down those preferences that we don't make preferences as important and as distinct as hurting the heart of God. The big lines in life. Okay? So first rule, first rule, groundskeeper. Do it before the game. Don't change the lines in the game. And be sure, be sure, be sure you leave room to play the game. Okay? Second rule. Second, second rule as you and I as parents as we discipline. So grab your Bibles one more time. Again, go to the book of Proverbs. Might as well just leave your finger in Proverbs because we're going to be there today. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Here's what it says. He who spares the rod... Remember, this is the rod of creation. This isn't, this isn't, this is, hmm, okay. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. You get what it's saying? It's saying, look, look, you, you can't buy, you can't, you can't go past this. 
You, you can't just blow this off. You realize that in this moment, you will create, if you fail to bring discipline in your home, you'll create chaos. What, what this is basically saying is this. Rule number two, mom and dad. You and I are referees. Now, you knew that, right? Some of you refereed your way to church this morning. You were, you were in the SUV, referee. And, and role number two is referee, but here's, here's what we got to get. It is the job of the referee. The referee only makes sense when, you ready? They call the foul and enforce the penalty. Call the foul, enforce the penalty. And the minute a referee doesn't do that, you realize that referee is a disgrace. Let me just go and help. You end up at a Cardinals game. And in the midst of the game, play's already over, and one of the opposing teams still rushes in, grabs Kurt Warner by the face mask, yanks him, throws him to the ground. Referee is standing right there watching. Doesn't call a foul. If you're in the stands, throw the flag, ref. If you're sitting at home, you're throwing things at the TV set. Because it's the ref's job to throw the flag and enforce the foul. So now, as if things aren't bad enough, a little bit later in the game, another obvious pass interference. And all of a sudden, the ref comes up, full of authority, walks over to the player and says, that's a no-no. We don't do that on our field. No, no. One, two, three. Boy, you wait. You wait till the other ref gets over here, and then you'll get yours. You get that I just described our parenting. Throw the flag. Enforce the penalty. And I know some of you going, oh, and I hate that part of this. I don't want to do this part. I just want to be my kid's friend. Guys, think about this. On Sunday, grown men are paid millions of dollars to play. They love what they're doing, and they still need a professional to make them obey the rules. Good luck being your four-year-old's friend. Throw the flag. Enforce the penalty. Well, you know, Lynn, what, what, is, what does that look like? First, be consistent. Man, be consistent. See, if it's pass interference one way, it's got to be pass interference the next day. If it's holding one day, it's got to be holding the next day. And you've got to call them when you see them. You don't wait till someone holds five times and then call holding. Everybody's going to be screaming unfair. You know, you know what happens? You and I get tricked as parents into playing wake the bear with our kids. You know what wake the bear is, right? You sneak into the cave. You touch the bear. And then you run. And you hope the bear doesn't wake up. And then it's the next kid's turn. Sneak into the cave. 
poke the bear, and then you run. And you see how many times you can poke the bear before the bear wakes up, comes out, And the problem is you and I have gotten lured into too often as parents and playing wake the bear with our kids. Six o'clock in the morning and they're already misbehaving. I mean, you're just trying to get them ready for school and he's touching me. <laughs> and I get it. You, you do exactly what the bear does in that moment. You go, oh, maybe if I ignore them, they'll go away. You know the bear felt the first nudge. You know that. The bear was just hoping they'd go away. And so you and I sit in that moment, we go, oh, okay, I, I'm just not going to spend my whole day disciplining kids. I'm not going to do It's 6 o'clock in the morning. But you know what happens the second time they sneak Bear gets a little madder. Third time, bear gets a little madder. And isn't it true that every time as you and I watch our kids through the course of the day and they're poking their brother or their sister and now they're arguing over stupid, dumb stuff and you just asked them to put that away and they just ignored. Isn't it true that each time, each time the bear gets poked, the bear gets a little angrier? Isn't that true? And isn't it true that very often what we do in parenting is, is all of a sudden we just go, that's it! The bear is awake. <laughs> See, moms, this is when you all say, and you, and, and you look a little bit like Linda Blair. You know, your head's spinning on anything and the eyes are glowing. <laughs> and your kids are going, you're going, you woke the bear. Dads, this is when we say all that stupid stuff. All right now, get over here. I've had enough. We're going to cut your arm off. <laughs> and it, isn't it true that this is the moment that it stops being discipline and suddenly gets to be punishment? See, isn't, isn't this this moment that it gets ugly and it's, and it's no more about correcting and it's about getting even? You know how you win this game, right? Don't play. Don't play. See, it's no fun to play poke the bear if the first time you poke him, the bear gets up and deals with it. And the most powerful thing that you and I as parents can do, believe it or not, is the first time, the first time, before you and I have escalated into anger, while we're still under control, while we're still calm, to simply walk in and go, hey, what, what did you just do? I'm throwing the flag. And now we're going to enforce the penalty. It's one of those great moments you get to say, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it hurts me. Because <laughs> you're not angry. You're not, the bear isn't awake. And, and you want to know the great part is? Do that a couple weeks and your kids will learn not to play poke the bear. Second part. The biggest penalties are always reserved for the biggest infraction. What, 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 do, you, what, what, what's a, what do you call a big penalty in a football game? It's a personal 
foul. Big penalties need to be reserved for attitude, not for actions. At the end of the day, the most important penalties to call are penalties of the heart and not penalties of the hand. Let me give you a moment. The wife says to her husband, hey, could you get Timmy to go clean his room? I've been trying all week, can't get him in there. Would you go get Timmy to clean his room? So here comes dad, hey Timmy, we're not talking about this, go in your room, clean your room. Timmy now turns. Dad's outside going, I am the best parent. Dude, did you see how badly Timmy didn't want to clean his room and he listened to the bear? Attitude is more important than action. Because, guys, guys, has it been so long since you were, don't you remember, don't you remember what Timmy's thinking in his head? This is stupid. My parents are dumb. Oh, I hate this. I can't wait till I'm big enough and can wait till they're asleep at night. Throw the flag. Timmy, we're bringing it back. Come on, come on, come on. Bringing it back. Going to enforce the penalty. We're going to give you a do-over on this one. Okay, Timmy, 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 are you ready? Clean your room. And the proper response is... Yes, sir. Now, I I may never require Timmy to say yes, sir, any other time in his life, but when it comes to attitude, the proper response is, yes, sir. Now you can walk to your room with a smile. (laughs) Isn't that how God parents us? Isn't God always more concerned with our hearts Save the biggest fouls for attitude. (laughs) Who cares if Tommy cleans his room? Get the attitude fixed. Third role. Not only are you and I groundskeepers, not only are you and I refs. Grab your Bible one more time. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, here's what it says. Train. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, this verse has been misquoted over and over and over and over again. It, it's been read as a promise that if you do good parenting, then your kid has to tr- turn out good. That is not, you realize the Proverbs are sayings of wisdom which are most often true. And all it's simply saying, it's not saying, look, if you, if you do great parenting, then your kids will turn out good. If your kids turn out bad, then you must have bad. That's not what it's saying. It's simply saying, look, your best shot 
at raising a great kid is to train that child in the way that they should live. And more often than not, that will carry them into adulthood. But train them. Third role, coach. Coach. If you and I simply stop at the referee stage, see, if we simply call the penalty and enforce the penalty, then I'm not sure that we've gone much beyond punishment. All we've done then is make the scale even. What if the best moment of parenting is when I coach? What if, ready, ready? What if the very reason for calling the penalty, what if the very reason for laying the lines was that in that moment when I call the foul, when I enforce, that my child's heart would be softened and it would create for me, it would create for them a teachable moment. See, the truth is, you and I haven't finished parenting, you and I haven't finished discipline until we've prepared them not to make that mistake again, which means that discipline at its very, very best is followed up by coaching. See, I've got to be able to go, look, 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 you missed that block. That pass was right in your hands, and you dropped it. How, How did you go out for a pass and not get past the first down marker? How did, why did you clip that guy in the, see, The very best of discipline leads to the opportunity to coach and to make our kids better for the moment. My son is six, and we're living in California at the time, and I get a ring at my door. It's my neighbor who is holding a three-pound sledgehammer and says to me, does this look familiar? Now, that's a, that's a question you don't want to answer lightly. And so I said, uh, it looks similar uh, to one that I own. Why are you asking? He says, because it turns out that your son, playing with my son, decided to play destroy the wall. Now, I don't, I don't know what was going through the mind of my six-year-old son. I'm sure it had something to do with bombing something. But in our, in our neighborhood there in California, everybody had these little pony walls, you know, these little two-and-a-half, three-foot walls dividing our yards. And on the top, everybody had ornamental brick going along the top. My son and the neighbor boy had taken my three-pound sledgehammer and decided to remove all of my neighbor's ornamental brick. Can I just say to you that I threw the flag and I enforced the penalty? And if I had stopped there, I would have missed a crucial moment in the life of my son. And so I sat down my six-year-old boy and I just said, Josh, what are you learning from this? What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you think you need, you need to take away from this moment? And his little six-year-old head looked at the ground, and he said that I need to respect my neighbor's property. 
And I said, yeah, Josh, that's, that's a good lesson. I'm glad you figured that one out on your own. Good for you. Because that, just knowing that, just knowing that principle will keep you out of trouble a hundred times in the future. But Josh, I, I think there's another lesson that you and I need to talk about today. Okay, and I know you're only six. But you need to know this. That men, real men, clean up their messes. That, that we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have moments in our life when we do the wrong thing, we say the wrong thing. We... But real men, real men take care of their messes. So, so here's what we're going to do, Josh. We're going to walk down to the neighbor's house together. And I need you to apologize face-to-face to the neighbor. Not as a punishment. As a lesson. Because you need to know that real men clean up their messes. And I need you, you're not going to get your allowance. We're going we're to take your allowance and we're going to start saving up and we're going to get some odd jobs around the house and you're going to pay for the bricks. Three Saturdays later, my son was in the front yard with the neighbor, handing him bricks as he placed them back on the wall. Because, 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 real men clean up their own messes. Can I, can I just tell you how much joy I have as a father, now that my son is 22, soon to be 23, and when I hear him in moments say out loud, hey, I need, I need to go apologize for that. I, I, need to, I need to go talk with that person. And then he says, because real men clean up their messes. See, the, the most powerful moment of discipline may be that it produces in my child a teachable heart and gives you and me the opportunity to coach, to, to prepare them for what's to come in their lives. And if you and I fail to discipline, no wonder Scripture says, if you don't do this in the life of your child, you don't really love your child. Discipline is where you and I score the points as a parent. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you. And God, we're just going to be honest. We've, we have struggled at this topic, and truth is we've avoided this topic. We, we've tried sometimes to be our kids' friends, and other times we've just drawn lines that are so wide that there, there are no real rules in our house. And God, we just have to admit that we've done that because we've seen so many bad examples. We've, we've, seen, we've seen this thing done so wrong. But God, what if, what if this is for my child and not to my child? What if, what if this is to set up a soft heart and a teachable moment in the life of my child? An opportunity to train them for when I'm not in the room. God, give us courage to discipline. This we pray in Jesus' name.